0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Silverleaf Partners provides guidance to corporate clients, institutional asset managers, and investors on risks and opportunities of ESG and impact investment strategies. My guest today is Michael Scanlon, a partner at Silverleaf. Scanlon is currently raising assets for a global macro Latin American fund and a multi-billion dollar U.S. long short fund. These portfolios include low carbon and resource responsible investment opportunities, among others. Scanlon's team practice draws upon the expertise of colleagues trained in ESG and impact investment, as well as broader experience of the sustainability capacity within the firm. Silverleaf also collaborates with respected third-party partners to implement ESG impact portfolio frameworks. But before we start, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. I'm thrilled to talk about the work and the important work that Ceres is doing. Series is a nonprofit organization working with the most influential capital market leaders to solve the world's greatest sustainability challenges through their powerful networks and global collaborations of investors, companies and nonprofits. Series drives action and inspires equitable, market-based and policy solutions throughout the economy. To learn more, go to series.org/podcast. That's CE. RES.org slash podcast at series Sustainability is the Bottom Line. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast.
1: Uh, thank you, Paul. Good to be here. And uh, that's a very nice opening. We, we're happy to be here.
0: Great. Well, I'm glad you could join us today. And we're going to jump right into the questions that we have for you. Michael, how have you seen ESG and impact investing change and grow? During the eight years that you've been working with Silverleaf partners?
1: Well, Paul, to be honest with you, it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> if if not annually every year, every two years, you know, whether it be the Paris Agreements that year, you know, the dramatics of the world, it, it just seems to be evolving all the time. I was fortunate to be in the sort of traditional Wall Street in, in the alternative space with Bank of America for almost nine years. And so knew the business pretty well uh and uh you know that was the hedge fund space uh, where i was with the prime burgers group and, you know, and I transitioned and made this uh, sort of step with some help from a very good friend over at the United Nations, uh, uh, you know, Dr. James Gifford, who was just retiring from the UNPRI mm-hmm. after 10 years of getting it going from scratch. You know, very dynamic Australian fella, And, uh, and uh, and you know, we were supposed to have a half an hour meeting at the United Nations before he went off to, uh, to, the, to the Kennedy Center at Harvard to do a program up there on ESG, and uh, a half an hour turned into three hours, four hours. I, I just couldn't leave because he kept on saying things, and I, my questions. And he was so gentle and you know generous with his time, you know. And uh, years later, he's still my great friend and mentor. He's doing some tremendous things globally in the ESG space. I said, "Why did you sort of spend the time, you know, you know, investing in your time in my?" Because as he said, "If you get the money, Mike, we can make a lot of things happen, but we need the money." to make it happen. It really changed my whole outlook. Uh, We uh, only work with ESG, Uh, ESG being a funny term. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, ESG is obviously the sort of the core understanding of this industry, environmental, social governance.
0: Right. So now, Michael... Sustainable investing, uh, including ESG and corporation, is moving into the mainstream through consolidation, first of all, of material data analytics platforms and increased regulatory focus on corporate ESG reporting requirements, for example, by the SEC and by the SFDR in Europe. What should companies, institutional asset managers, and investors be focused on to meet these regulatory and reporting protocols?
1: Well, you know, uh, the word, you didn't say the word greenwashing. I know that was (laughs) going to come up at some point, (laughs) but that word really, uh, I I like that word. I think it's a word that we don't want to be shy from talking about and sort of Mm. explaining and opening up the doors. And so your uh, question, and and, I, you have uh, we have a client at Oslo, Norway, it's a venture group like that very dynamic and, and, uh, and, you know, the European, uh, uh, you know, being ahead of us, you know, being three to five years ahead of us and understanding how we got to be responsible and sustainable. And this uh, Norwegian group, you know, early in our discussions, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, we came up to, as we always do with our clients, understanding them. You know, we have to do our due diligence, you know, uh, and we have to understand them. And they didn't really have frameworks. You're talking about different frameworks, you know, um, you know, S F D R, you know, uh, you know, the many ones out there. They didn't have many frameworks. They had their own sort of customized style, and I didn't understand that style because I say, wait, you got S F D R, you got, you know, all the other ones going on, and and, the, and the SASB and and you know, that why do you have your own, Michael? Our constitution in the 1950s, the Norwegian constitution, has ESG as a premise of the the people of Norway. Hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. And so, you know, they've been living it and there are no landfills in Europe. I don't know if you know that. There's not one landfill in Europe. And uh, waste managers with a client, a friend of mine, it's like that, they're the largest landowner of landfills in the world. They're all in the United States. They're all in the United States. So it's a different mentality, but the the reality is for asset managers, for investors, uh, you know, both sides of the formula, you know first of all hopefully they have a principle of themselves being understanding of the future we've got to be responsible you know if we're irresponsible like we've had unfortunately you know some major uh, you know you know dams break you know that were part of a of a oil or, or a mining situation and uh, you know down in south america right a couple of people passed away i mean tragic like that that's not being responsible because they sort of had to understand that their community their neighbors even their employees we've got to be responsible to that all, not just the share shareholders.
0: No, I I completely agree with you. We've seen a lot of transition in the last couple of years, especially, um, um and also much earlier in the development of this industry around the social issues. Uh, right. we, we know some of the reasons that that's being focused on uh, in the U.S. around racial equity and that sort of thing. But because you run money for investors in, in uh, Central and South American. Can you tell us a little bit about those issues that are on the table down there in addition to mining safety, for example?
1: Yes, well, so to be honest with you. We really don't raise money except in North America, Canada, mm-hmm. and, and the U.S. So, but we have clients that right. are based down in Brazil, and, and it's funny, uh, like Brazil. Uh, you know, we've got this group that's a fund, second fund coming on. We haven't signed it, but I won't mention names for, about anybody because it's not appropriate. But but they uh, they started an ESG fund in 2015. Mm-hmm. And the first time I met him in New York, you know, just back at, in the fourth quarter of, of 20, 19, 2021, I said, wait, rainforest, Brazil doesn't care about that. And and I, I sort of woke him up and got him a little annoyed at me because, Mike, we do, many people do in Brazil, care about the environment. They care about pollution. They care about their, their well-being of their children, obviously. Uh, but there is a part that doesn't, and that's the corporate you know short-sightedness that we're finding out more and more because uh you know that company that did that had the tragedy and i think it was more in uh, in uh, um, uh, Bolivia if i'm not mistaken you know that company is now banned <laughs> in that country mm. and they're paying reparations nonstop and whether it be bp in the in the oil uh, gulf of mexico oil off of louisiana responsible you know companies have to be accountable and and the investors are the ones that will lose out or also get hurt if they invest and they have this liability blow up in their face oh i wasn't thinking ahead well we have to think ahead now we have to be thinking forward and i'm a new grandfather very excited about that congratulations and, uh, yes thank you and my granddaughter you know will she eat fish that's not polluted with microplastics in her body that's a very big concern we all should pay attention to
0: Yes. So that's a couple of good examples of how this whole infrastructure is developing on a a global scale. And one of the driving forces behind that over the last 26 years has been the the COP summits that, uh, that provide the opportunity for Government and regulatory and investment leaders and corporate leaders around the world to come together and try and hash out and keep working on these issues that we know are out there that everybody is is focusing on now, more or less. Uh, last year... The summit closed with commitments by many companies as well as asset managers to meet net zero carbon emissions goals by 2050, if not sooner. Now, according to a recent McKinsey report, the estimated annual needed spending just on physical assets to meet those goals for net zero by 2050 is about $9.2 trillion or roughly $3.5 trillion more than is currently being spent in the global budget on physical assets today. So how can companies like yours and the the investors that you work with and the asset managers that you work with participate in – moving these targets forward along with of course the regulatory infrastructure and the and the you know the, the large corporations.
1: Well Paul you know uh, unfortunately it's not an easy road ahead. I gotta be honest with everybody. Uh, i've I've seen too much, I'm involved in too much that I see the the challenges and there are many out there. Uh, you know, even you know plastic, you know it, like I say in the oceans like that, you know uh, people don't realize there's only really one ocean. <laughs> Pacific and Atlantic, they're just geographic locations, but they're all connected as we've heard many stories of someone putting a a bottle in the water and it shows up in Asia you know five months later that and also plastic uh, you know hopefully that as i so you know the challenges are many and, and and the good news is that as i look at it you know what we say is the the old uh, technology of carbon you know in the ground oil you know coal that's the old technology and bravo to those people 100 years ago that figured out oh let's put that into this machine this machine moves it's a car <laughs> that's 100 years ago Maybe a little longer 120 like that but the good news i'm very excited about is the technology that got us to to in this sort of situation of the world being at a at a, at a climate change at losing you know so much going to, are the arctic uh, melting up north and this article that the technology is going to get us out of it and in investors why are the tech companies so exciting to everybody oh they're you know you know google you know they're great but now the technology in the hard assets that you're talking about, in the hard gate businesses, how do we still get, you know, uh, titanium out of the ground, which we need for computers and we need for different electric vehicles and do it responsibly? And that responsibility, once again, is, is the company, it's the investors. And that's where, you know, we don't have any rankings, but we know all the different frameworks and the groups out there that rank the different publicly traded companies and even private now are being ranked private, you know, in different verticals. And when someone told me five years ago that you know that um, you know the California utility, the largest California utility, was gonna was gonna blow up and, and burn and, and go into bankruptcy, sometimes I said, "What are you talking about?" He had done his homework and saw the liability legal issues that was going on in California with the fires two years ahead of his time. So it was a long short fund. You're shorting stocks you think are gonna drop. They were very successful <laughs> in making money on that. A tragedy for the, for the homes and for the people. And, and, but they uh, are a group that puts out in front, we're here to change the world positively. We think we can do it for long and short by looking at environmental issues. And that's the, that's their premise. So it's gotta be also the people there. They got to walk the talk.
0: Let's talk now about the, the generations that are coming up in the world of business, in the world of asset management uh, in the world of uh, of corporate infrastructure and as employees and and many of them uh, being you know probably senior leaders at some point in their career. How would are you interacting with young people in any way to support their growth in this area? I know that you've had some involvement with educational institutions in the last in the past related to this. I don't know if that's still going on, but uh, mm-hmm. I remember conversations that we've had where you were very excited about what was happening with higher education around sustainability education opportunities at the master's levels within MBA programs, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, let me start with the endowments, okay? Because that's the, that's the school, the, the investors. So, our, you know, we work with different institutional investors of all types. And endowments are different than pension funds. And pension funds are different than family offices. But the endowments, as the education, then I'll get to your, answer your question. I apologize. But the endowments, uh, it's really been the faith-based endowments. And faith and values orientated organizations, uh, hospitals, uh, endowments, and I won't mention like Georgetown, but a- you know, those kind of groups—they are ahead of the curve. They've been thinking this way for a while because that's their—that that's their, and, you know, their educational organization is built 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 upon Jesuits or built upon different, you know, groups of values, uh, you know, Presbyterian, you know, Jewish, all values, it's like that. And so, so that's exciting. The endowments, those endowments, are leading the way. You know, Yale and Harvard, all good, but they don't have that sort of core in their heart of we got to do good with our money for our our employees and for our retirees. That's a fiduciary. I'm a fiduciary, but we also can do good to the world and not hurt the world. It's like that. And so, but now the educational group, we're very blessed Uh, this summer. We've got uh, young people from Columbia in their master's program up there called the Earth Institute. Very exciting group up there. Not to be, uh, you know, prejudicial to New York, but we've got Fordham uh, MBA students and also Stern NYU this summer. But, you know, throughout the years, and those young people, I've got three daughters myself, now a granddaughter, but the young people keep me going. i I wouldn't be retired, but I'd be doing something not as vigorous as this if it wasn't for those young people reminding me this is their future. and and i I challenge them to sort of step up, and they don't know what to do doing. I mean, in a sense their careers are just you know beginning and you know, they're twenty five in the master's program. but I challenge them to sort of take ownership and to take involvement. and most of them are very excited to learn more and to do that. So we we got a great young millennials or whatever we got, they they get it, you know, and consumerism, you know, that you know, they're buying in the consumer product markets things that are not you know being thrown away, single-use items like that. I tell people this, the young people especially, nine out of ten single-use water bottles will land in the ocean. That is a very sad statement, in fact, like that. And so, wait a second. So, a reusable water bottle, you'll save thousands probably over your lifetime of single-use water bottles going in the ocean. So, so you no, know, we we got to – that's also, that's that's the hope I have also going forward. I'm not optimistic in some ways. we got a lot of work, but I'm hopeful. And the youth of America and the youth of the world really is what's got to take ownership more and more.
0: Now, Michael, you mentioned the private markets uh, a few minutes ago as part of our discussion. And I'd like to focus on what you see as – the differences today between um, ESG and impact investment applications and portfolio strategies being used within the private markets—I uh, don't want to say versus the public markets, but alongside—it seems to me that the the value of of having this approach to investing being growing and better understood in both the private and the public markets will make a huge difference in the way the next generation views their own personal assets as well for investment.
1: Right. Well, Paul, the privates is another, you're right, they're two separate sort of large animals, gorillas, we call them, it's like that. The gorilla of the, of the public is regulatory and more, you know, seen by the public on, on TV. The privates are a little quieter, obviously, they're private inside that. But I tell you, all it takes is a champion. We talk about champions and and private companies, and there's a lot of them out there. They're really ahead of the publics in sort of getting to the ground level. You know, the publics are sort of at the higher level of oh, you know, check the box, check the box, which is a start. But but the privates really go to the core because they're involved with a a company of hundred people that's been around for 15 years, and, and the the senior family is starting to retire. You know, how can we do that uh, properly? And so they 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 they're 100 employees are very valued to them. They know them by name usually. They, they have Christmas parties where public companies are a little harder. To anchor that way. So the privates are, are dynamic as ever and and growing all the time and, and more you know, accountable in this world of ours to be more responsible. Uh and investors are paying attention big time. And so so all of them these days, all the you know, the investors that institutions are talking about, they have some kind of criteria. And it could be SASB, it could be, you know, I that now that's now being involved with, with SASB, that they say, are you doing this? And if you're not, and in their due diligence, questionnaires. It's not the fifteenth question. It's like the fifth question now. It used to be the fifteenth or twentieth on the bottom. Like, oh, get to it when you can. Now it's the top five, and they won't proceed. The investor won't go to to we call you know get the first base. You know you got the investment or the in- interest. Now due diligence after second base. If they don't have a sensibility that you are paying attention, you have some kind of metrics. You have some kind of framework to understand the difference. And one thing too, Paul, I got to be careful myself and all of us, impact is different than ESG. If you say you're an impact fund, that means you're going from point A to point B. That's the that's the impact, the difference of point A to point B. An ESG fund is you're getting going. You, you know, your company may not have an impact mentality or, you know, style. So you, so you, you say you're an ESG fund. And I, I treat my environment responsibly. I treat my employees, my community, my my whole network ecosystem of my social honestly and the best I can. And we're growing. There's no one perfect like right that. And then actually governance, you know, you know, people think that the, the Volkswagen diesel uh f- fiasco of five years ago was environmental. Oh, the environment the, the the diesel engines weren't right. The governance at a high level of Volkswagen allowed them to mess that up on purpose, by design. So you're talking about tens and maybe 20 senior managers that all came together in meetings. Hey, let's let's you know let's fool the system, and that went out to millions of cars and diesel. That was bad, and so that's governance. So governance, really, I tell people, governance is driving the car, but is it going towards environmentally things strong and social thought? But governance. From the top guy, and the privates have that that leadership, you know, mentality of it's my company, it's my family, or whatever, and so you can drive a little harder. When you're public, you can be the CEO, and, and we'll we'll get to the publics one more time before that we're over here. I hope.
0: <laughs> well, Michael, it's uh, we're we're running out of time for today. So if you have any additional comments on the public markets, let's let's get those into the program, yep. and then I want to find yep. out how people can learn more about Silverleaf Partners.
1: So uh, net positive. Okay. Uh, and, and Mr. Pullman, who is the co-writer of this, along with Andrew uh, Winston, uh, wrote that, uh, and it was about his journey from 2005 six to just most really when he left as being CEO of Unilever, one of the largest uh, publicly traded uh, you know consumer companies in the world, based out of Germany, like that. And he was doing things in 06 07 that any CEO today would look at and go, that's a little adventurous. <laughs> That's a little dangerous. You allow, and, and the shareholders for a while they were like really pissed off. Fire him! You know this quarter is not working. You know this 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 day's stock price is down. He stayed the course. Unilever is one of the greatest stocks probably in the in the in our history. So that's a great book. And then my last one is uh, I may not have optimism, but Jane Goodall and her book Hope, uh, and it's Hope. And here's a woman that, you know, really showed the world so much about primates and human nature. It's like that. And like that, and her story is unbelievable at, you know, 20 years old, she and her mother went to Africa to do this research, right. two women right? like that. But this new, this new book was written during the pandemic is that let's be hopeful and it's the young people. Thank you for bringing that up, Paul. And also the older generation the ones like helping the young people and then getting out of the way at some point because it's their future. So, Paul, what a pleasure to be here.
0: It's so nice of you to join us, Michael. And tell us how our listeners can learn more about Silverleaf Partners and your work there. And also, how can they get in touch with you to learn more about the the issues that we've discussed on today's program?
1: Yes, well, our website is uh, www.silverleaf, leafs falling down from the tree, Partners with a plural.com. And we have a portal there for ESG. You know, uh, we are institutional. We will return most calls and e- emails, but we're institutional. Uh, but we're happy to help young people or anyone get to know more about this area and really the investing side because everyone's investing in some degree for your future, for you. And we are very excited about being a part of that process and being a part of or your team. We're part now. We're part of the podcast now team. now. Part
0: of the podcast team, Michael. And if you would send us links to. Uh, where people can learn more about the two books as well, we'll incorporate okay. those into the posting of the of the podcast program when we do that. Okay,
1: my pleasure. Thank you, Paul.
0: Great. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michael Scanlon of the Silverleaf Partners, and to our sponsor, the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. The Series Accelerator is a center of excellence within Series that aims to transform the practices and policies that govern capital markets to reduce the worst financial impacts of the climate crisis. For more information, go to series.org Accelerator. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org Accelerator. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast.